Well, good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. Man, what a beautiful day. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful day. When we got here at 7.30, it was a little nippy, and then sun came up, and it's absolutely, well, you, you're experiencing it. I don't have to tell you. It's amazing. Thank you, God. Yesterday, a team of guys came, and we got the front arch up, and it was so much fun. Yeah, isn't that exciting? Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Here we go. One, two, three. Your words are in your bulletin. Please sing along. Blessed is she, and blessed is she who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, and blessed is she, who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's sing that again. Blessed is he, and blessed is she, who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, and blessed is she, who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, we come in your name, and we know that somehow we'll be
And blessed is she who comes in the name of the
give the Lord a hand. God is good this morning. Josh, you may be seated. You can use this microphone right here. He's a little taller than me, so I better take this off. Everybody is. <laughs> Not everybody's taller than me. Thanks, Tom. Hey, welcome to Rimrock. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we encourage visitors to fill out a connection card at one of the tables on the side. And if you are new here, uh, we have a gift for our new visitors. My name is Josh Nebelsick. I'm uh, one of the elders here at, at Rimrock, and so sometimes it's nice to kind of put a, put a face to a name. So um, we like to make ourselves available. So if there is anything that you guys need, you can just um, find one of us or kind of anybody out here. So... Uh, this is kind of the end of our summer, and we are going to start transitioning to a few new things this fall. Uh, today is, is kind of the start of a new sermon series, 21 Days of Intention. Uh, so there's uh, different information in the bulletin. We're going to have uh, 21 Days of Prayer at Rimrock Downtown. Uh, so the information's in there if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, look there, kind of uh, reach out to one of us. Uh, there's also devotional handouts in, in the bulletin as well that uh, we invite you to kind of join in on. This Wednesday, we're starting our Wednesday nights again. And so again, lots of information in the bulletin. There's lots of different classes. But really, it's just a time to kind of connect. And so I know that when my wife and I, when we started coming to Rimrock oh, like a decade ago, uh, we really, we, we loved Sundays, we loved the church, but really Wednesday nights is where we started feeling like it was home and kind of more of uh, kind of interacting, seeing who, who uh, the people of Rimrock are and just kind of enjoying that community component of it. And so uh, this Wednesday we're going to have a kickoff, uh, kind of a barbecue, a celebration, uh, and then there'll be some information on what classes are offered. And the classes are really interesting. I was, as I was listening to all the information given to them, I was like, oh, I'd wish I could take that class and that class and that class. But unfortunately, I'm I'm help leading one with my wife, and so um, so we can't go to those. But you guys have all that information and kind of pick one out, and and really we'd we'd love to see you on Wednesdays and have to add more classes because there's so many of us that are kind of um, being in a part of that. So that being said, there's also Sunday classes starting next Sunday. Again, more information in the bulletin. Uh, but when you, when you start coming to church and being here for an hour and then leaving, just so hard to kind of see I don't know who people are and what they do, but when we start kind of staying a little bit longer, start talking to people, start taking classes together, start living life together, it just makes what we've been asked to do by God just so much more real. And so so I invite um, you to stay for two hours or two and a half on Sundays and pick a class for one of them and services for others. Our, our kids' uh, service does such a great job they, they encourage, they're like, hey, if you need to drop your kids off for both services, they're, they're more than willing, and they kind of change things up from one service to the other. But our kids, our kids love it, and, and so both uh, Wednesday and Sundays are kind of starting up this next week. So, uh, And then next week, you guys can come out here in the mornings on Sunday, but nobody else will be here. So, uh, I mean, it's a great place to just come out and hang out, but uh, we are starting back to two services next Sunday, 9 o'clock and 10.30. When did we stop doing 9.01? Uh, when we gave up on people coming on time. Okay, so 9 and 10.30 uh, is when we're, uh, when we're meeting next Sunday. So not out here, but in, indoors. So uh, again, if you have any questions, the bulletin's a great information or kind of reach out to, to the church. So uh, we'll pray and then just kind of continue with, uh, with what God has for us today. So... Dear Lord, just uh, thank you for this day. Just thank you for the blessings you've given us and just the ability to <clears throat> enjoy your creation and what you've given us. We just thank you for the freedoms that you've given this country to be able to be out and about and, and have the name of, your, of you really go throughout the, your nature, your, your hills, your trees, 
and uh, and not fear for persecution. But uh, we ask for for you to be present. We ask for you to be glorified, and we ask for you to just fill this place with a presence that only you can fill. So uh, continue to bless others through the work of your body of Rimrock, and uh, and enjoy the rest of this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Josh. So I mentioned this briefly, but yesterday, as we put up this big archer beam and uh, Josh Schmidt risked his life uh, for us. Anyway, he survived. We all survived. By the grace of God, it was good. Um, just want to mention that we've still got $4,000 to raise to finish the project. So if God lays that on your heart, that would be great. All right, let's do this. Sing. You are not alone If you are lonely When you feel afraid You're not the only We are all the same In need of mercy To be forgiven and be free It's all you've got to lean on But thank God it's all you need Come on! And all the people said amen said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Now if you're rich or poor, well it don't matter. Weak or strong you know, love is what we're after. We're all broken but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and we he does. And he so loved the world, he sent his son to save us all. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. And blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed are the people hungry for another star. For theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Come on. And all the people said amen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never said amen. All right, we're going to go back and sing the verses to the Lord again. Start with the first verse. Here we go. It says, you are not alone. If you are lonely, when you feel afraid, same in need of mercy to be forgiven and be free it's all you've got to lean on but thank god it's all you need and all the people said amen Whoa, and all the people said amen give thanks to the lord for his love Blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed are the people hungry for another star. For theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Here we go. And all the people said amen. Whoa. Said amen. Hey, yeah. 
said amen Whoa, and all the people said amen Give thanks to the Lord for His love never ends And all the people said amen <laughs> Amen All His people said amen And this is our prayer this morning as we worship you let all the world come and see how the mercy we've received from you can set them free as we worship you let all this joy that fills our hearts bring a hunger and a hope to those who've strayed so far as we bow in adoration and stand in reverent awe Show your majesty and glory Let your anointing fall As we declare your name, Lord Jesus As the only name who saves May the power of your salvation Fill each heart, we pray we worship you. Let all the nations hear our song, the song of Jesus and his blood that proved his love for all. As we worship you, may all the lost and broken come. May they hear your still small voice call out their names each one. As we bow in adoration and stand in reverent awe, show your majesty and glory, let your anointing let it fall. As we declare your name, Lord Jesus, as the only name who saves, may the power of your salvation fill each heart we as we worship you, as we speak your words of truth, God, that they would go out in power and touch lives and change lives, just like you've changed each of us on this stage, God, and so many in the audience, as you invaded our lives and brought a revolution. God, we thank you for that. And as Ben comes up, God, we know that you've been whispering in his ear all week long what it is you want to say to us and so we want to hear that lord we want to hear what you have to say to each of us pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts right now in jesus name amen thanks Anna. all right you may be seated so good to see you guys have you enjoyed outdoor worship this summer
It's been awesome. You know, two, last summer we came out here because we felt like we had to. This summer we came out because we got to. <laughs> and I love it. I love that we're reminded in God's creation how, how small we are. I, I love standing there in the back and just realizing this stage is super small as we look at the scale of the cliff behind us. And this is a small cliff. I mean, think about the universe. And so really the focus of our worship shouldn't be the stage. It's, it's God's glory. That's really what draws us to this place as we know that God, our creator, our maker, is present with us. And his favor, his grace shines upon us. And I was thinking this past week, uh, I've gotten a lot of notices about different people have passed away and over the last month and even here at church I've uh, lost some people and and uh, I was thinking about Isaiah 40 that says the prophet said what should I cry out and and God said that all people are like grass and their glory fades and uh, but then he says but the word of God endures forever <laughs> aren't you glad that there's some things that endure and that it's God's word that endures and his word says that there is resurrection life. And that gives us hope. Even in the face of loss, of difficulty, of struggle, there's hope because we have a God who has spoken. He hasn't stayed silent. He speaks to us. And, and creation speaks and his word speaks. And that's, that's partly why we gather every Sunday is because we need to be reminded because we forget. We get distracted. Our lives get full of lots of things and we chase other things, but, but we need to be reminded what lasts, what endures. God's word endures. So as we uh, open God's word, would you join me in praying? Lord, you are faithful. Thank you for the summer and the Psalms. And we're reminded of your glory, your goodness, your greatness. But we're also reminded that, God, you come near to us, that you help the brokenhearted, that you lift and you save and you redeem and you restore and you make new things, Lord, out of our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you've revealed to us this summer, Lord. And as we go into the fall, Lord, we know, uh, Lord, there's lots of things we can give our time and our energy to, but Lord, we want you to be the center of our lives. We want you to be the center of our existence because we know there is no life outside of you. And so, Lord, we gather here to praise you, to worship you, to glorify you. Lord, I ask that you would encourage your people, that you would lift up your people, that you would speak to your people, Lord, because we need your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're beginning a new series called 21 Days of Attention, and we're doing this uh, with our downtown campus as a whole church family. Uh, for the last three years, we've uh, taken the month of September uh, to be reminded that there's certain spiritual disciplines, certain spiritual practices that are important to our faith, that are important to us as Christians. And over the last three years, we've really focused on individual disciplines like prayer and fasting and, and giving and, and some other aspects of, of, of uh, silence and retreat and solitude. And so we've looked at these personal disciplines. And, and this year, as we were praying as a, as a preaching team with our, our downtown pastor team as well, we, we said, Lord, what do you have for us this year? And we just felt very clear from the Lord that he's calling us to, to corporate disciplines as well. And so as Christians, there's, there's personal disciplines, but then there's also corporate disciplines, disciplines that we do together. Now, I got to say, when we hear that word discipline, a lot of maybe thoughts come to your mind, a lot of images come to your mind, and uh, maybe there's some negative thoughts, some negative images. And I think a lot of times we substitute that word discipline for, for punishment, and, and it couldn't be further from, from God's heart, God's heart heart isn't a punishing heart. In fact, his heart is a father's heart. And so as a father, it says he, he disciplines and he trains his children because he loves them, because he loves them. And so God's posture towards us is not one of condemnation or punishment, but one of love and one of training. And so for all you parents out here, you get this, you know this, because you love your children more than you could ever described to anyone else, right? But part of that love means there's disciplines, there's trainings, there's things that you put into place in your family that create uh, a, an environment and a place where children can flourish and develop, right? 
And so when we talk about discipline, it's really talking about the formation of our hearts. The formation of our hearts. We're talking about habits, way, things that we do that form our character, form our heart, and form who we are. A lot of times we, we're confused because we say, hey, I thought, I thought Christianity was all about grace. And it is. <laughs> but sometimes we have a misunderstanding of grace that grace is a free gift that we can never earn. We can never earn favor. We can never earn salvation. We can never earn God's pleasure or love towards us. His love for us is unconditional. So he loves you no matter what. But grace is effort. It is discipline. It is action. And so I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, grace is never earning, but it's always effort. Because we understand that grace is an invitation to relationship. And relationships don't just happen. How many of you married couples where you can just sit back and not do anything to invest in that relationship? <laughs> no. How many parents know it takes an investment? It takes effort. It takes discipline to foster a relationship. And it's the greatest blessing in the world. And you who've invested in your marriages know that there is nothing more special, more precious to you than that relationship. And you who've invested in your children know there's nothing more special or precious. And in the same way, disciplines are of grace in that we grow in our relationship with God. We grow in our love for God. So if we, if we could characterize it as one overarching goal when we talk about disciplines, it's, it's to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? What did Jesus call that? The greatest commandment. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus said the whole Bible, the whole story of God is summed up in these two statements. And so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, let's not lose sight of the goal. <laughs> it's, it's to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So we don't talk about discipline so we can check it off and say, look, I did it. We don't talk about disciplines because somehow I'm getting to be a better Christian. In fact, I, I tell people there's no such thing as a super Christian. There's no such thing as a super Christian. If you're, if you're trying to be a super Christian, you don't understand what grace is. And so we understand that we're called into a relationship and it's this relationship that God is using in our lives to form us into a new kind of person. And so our vision here at Rimrock Church is to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. And so it's transformation that God is after. He's after our hearts. He's after who we are. He wants to form us into a new kind of people. All right, so the first... Uh, discipline, the first intentional thing we're going to look at over 21 days. And uh, the reason we chose 21 days is just because uh, usually habits are formed in the period of about 30 days. And so the first one we're going to look at is the discipline of physically gathering together to worship God. So in some ways, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir today because you're here. <laughs> you're, 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 you're living out the first discipline of, of gathering with God's people. Uh, but we know that this discipline isn't always easy. In fact, I was thinking about this this week, you know, a generation ago, uh, my grandparents and my parents grew up in a culture where it was celebrated to, to gather with other Christians and worship on Sundays. Like, that was the norm. In fact, it was celebrated and applauded and, and stores shut down and basically all of society shut down <laughs> on Sunday mornings. But we all know in the world we live in today, that's not true, right? It's not so easy or applauded or recognized or valued to gather together on a Sunday. It's, it's just not in our culture. In fact, uh, many other things are applauded much more than that. In fact, in some parts of our country, you could even be stigmatized or even thought less of for gathering on Sunday mornings. And so... It's a different culture. It's a different time we live in. And so it's all the more important that we talk about this discipline. I want to read in 1 Thessalonians 2 because I, I, need, I think we need a mindset shift when we think about this discipline because sometimes we think the, the goal is just only to show up on Sunday mornings or just to show up to the small group or just to show up to that time of fellowship with other believers. 
but there's a bigger meaning, there's a bigger goal, there's a bigger mindset, there's a bigger understanding that shapes how we gather. And so it's not just that we gather, but God has a specific purpose in mind in our gathering. It's not just something we do, but there's something profound that God wants to do in it, in us, and change us and transform us through it. And so in 1 Thessalonians 2, we get a little snapshot into Paul's understanding of this discipline of gathering as believers, as followers of Jesus, and why that's important. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do we view church? How do we view church? It's an important question. It's a very important question because church is at the heart of God's purpose to dwell with his people and it's bigger than just what we do on Sunday mornings. It's bigger than just a service or just singing some songs together. There's a bigger purpose. And so in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 17 through 20, we begin to see Paul giving us a little insight into that purpose. And this is, this is pregnant in all of Paul's writing and all his letters to the churches. But Listen what he says in verse 17. But brothers and sisters, that should, we should stop right there. <laughs> How does Paul view the church? As brothers and sisters. That's a, that's a mindset shift. It's not just attending a performance or a service. It's, it, it's a family. It's a people. He's talking about people, brothers and sisters, and their relationship with each other. When we were orphaned by being separate from you for a short time, in person, not in thought. And so, listen to Paul's language. He, he's saying, I can't gather with you physically anymore, and I feel like an orphan. <laughs> I feel like something's wrong. Like, I want to be with you. He says, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Do you catch that? So, when Paul is thinking about the church in Thessalonica, he's thinking about people. He calls them brother and sisters, and he says, I can't be with you physically, and that doesn't feel right. There's something wrong with that. And he says, I have an intense longing because I want to be with you. And he said, I'm going to make every effort to be with you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. So what's that telling us? We have an enemy who doesn't want us to gather physically together. <laughs> did you catch that? And, and Paul in, in, in Ephesians talks about our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of this dark world. So it's interesting, if you take a survey around the world, there, there's Christians, believers, followers of Christ that are gathered um, in all kinds of places. We're in a meadow. There's, there's people in church buildings. There's people under trees. There's people in homes. There's people out in fields. There's people in mountain caves. There's people gathered all over this planet in different places. Just think with me for a moment. What about the believers in Afghanistan, the believers in North Korea, the believers in China? And what's interesting is the laws of those lands, of those countries, like, like they can't keep you from believing personally, right? But what they enforce and what they seek to destroy is believers gathering together because Satan knows there's something powerful there's something that God intended in the gathering of his people that, that has an effect. <laughs> and that's why, that's why they will go to great lengths to persecute, to shut down, to destroy gatherings of people in different countries and different places around the world. Even in our own country over this last year, there's been intense pressure for Christians not to gather. Why? Because Paul says Satan wants to hinder are gathering. And, and maybe we don't know this on a grand persecution scale, but I'm speaking as a dad of three small kids. What kind of effort does it take to get out of the home <laughs> to go to church? <laughs> like, it's messy, it's chaotic, and the kids have meltdowns. You're like, that's the devil <laughs> coming out right there, right? And, and we've experienced that as families. There's so many obstacles. It's hard to gather. And then if we, if, we, if we make it really personal and we start looking at it, man, there's some risk to coming together. Because maybe we think people will judge us or, or won't like us or won't accept us. And there's fears and there's, there's things that we carry with us that, that are obstacles that hinder us from gathering 
with other Christians, with other believers to worship God. What we know from Paul is that Satan is doing everything he can to hinder the gathering of his people. For what is our hope and our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? And so Paul is saying, he's saying, so there's this battle for coming together and I want to be physically with you. And he says, what, what's the joy? What's this purpose of coming together? And he says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and crown. <laughs> so this is intense language, but Paul is helping us understand that, that the church is not something we attend or go to, but it's a people that God is inhabiting. A people that God is inhabiting. If you think about Pentecost and the birth of the church in Jerusalem, over 2,000 years ago, what we're doing here this morning is a continuation of what happened at Pentecost where 120 followers of Jesus came together in the upper room and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and the power of God was revealed as God's people gathered. And what were they doing? They were praising God. They were praying. They were seeking God. And Peter was proclaiming the word of God. He was declaring that Jesus is Lord. He was telling the world the glory of God. And, and it says the Holy Spirit came upon his people and the power of God was revealed. And so what we see is the mark of the church is not necessarily what we do as far as what it looks like, the form, but the function, the true reality of who we are as the church is the people of God inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That, that should blow you away. <laughs> Astounding that the creator of the universe has loved you so much and thinks so much of you that he has inhabited you with his very presence, with his very spirit. And so we know that this is true individually, but the church is the manifestation of that spirit corporately. As we come together, then the spirit is manifested corporately. And we experience something about God that we can never experience on our own. That there is this reality of God has a family. In Romans 8, if you dig deep into Romans 8, you will see this deep theology of God's understanding uh, or God's invitation of our adoption to him as sons and daughters. And if we understand we are sons and daughters of the same father, then we are what Paul calls us brothers and sisters. We share the same blood. The blood of Jesus flows to us. And we are his children. And his spirit indwells in us. And so Paul says in Romans 8, how can we know? How can we know that we truly are indeed children of God? Because of the Holy Spirit in us. And there's something about coming together that affirms and, and helps us recognize that reality, that spiritual reality. And that's why Paul says, you are the glory and joy of my heart. Because he sees what God is doing in his people. And so when we gather together, it's physically coming together. But the purpose is more than just consuming a preaching or music. It's, it's coming together as the people of God. Last summer, um, you know, last spring, everything got canceled world shut down. Remember that? The whole world shut down. <laughs> and uh, praise God, so much has, has come back, but we're continuing to face this virus. But, but I remember last summer um, having moments of discouragement because so many people that were part of our fellowship just, just disappeared and, and stopped coming to church. And, and, and sometimes there was discouragement because of that. And, and I remember one uh, Sunday morning coming down here out to the meadow and um, some of you know Tom Schroeder. He's been part of uh, Rimrock for, for many years. And, and, and Tom was in a terrible airplane accident and, uh, many years ago. And so he has some, some hard, difficult, physical disabilities. And I remember one Sunday coming down, and I saw Tom working his way across the meadow to find a seat to worship God. And something in my soul just rejoiced because I saw that God's spirit was in Tom and his effort, his commitment, his, his desire to worship God and to be part of God's people. And I thought, if anyone has excuses, if anyone could say it's not worth coming, I thought, Tom has it. <laughs> he has so many obstacles, but he came and it ministered to me. And I told Tom, I said, you don't know how much it ministered to me last summer that you just showed up. 
And how many of us are encouraged this morning as we look around and we see people and we say, look, they're seeking God. They've taken time out of their schedule because they want to honor God. They're, they're saying, this is valuable. This is important. And so this discipline of physically gathering, it's, it's ultimately for the formation of our own hearts to love God, but it's also a way that we love each other and that we encourage each other. And that's what Hebrews 10 talks about. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25, Paul, or, uh, who, we don't know who the author was. I say Paul, but it, it, could be, it could have been Apollos. It could have been someone else. We don't know who the author was. But he's writing to a group of Jewish Christians who are suffering intense persecution. Intense persecution. Remember, the Roman Empire was not friendly towards Christians. Uh, Nero, it says, he would set them on fire and use Christians as lamps for his parties. He would feed Christians to the lions. And so to be a Christian in this time was not applauded. In fact, it was looked down upon. The Roman Empire was not favorable towards Christians. And what does the writer of Hebrews tell, his peop- tell the church? Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, you catch the same language, brothers, sisters. He's talking about the church. How we think about it is people, the family of God, the blood of Jesus is what marks us by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to purchase a people to be his very own, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, and so this is Jesus's church. This is Jesus's people. This is God's house. This is God's family. You see, church isn't about us. It's about God and what he is doing, what he's creating. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And I love this about the church. We are the fellowship of the forgiven. All of us have sinned. All of us have scars. All of us have, have habits and things that aren't uh, of God. And God is not only forgiving us, redeeming us, he's making us clean, he's making us pure, he's making us new, he's transforming us. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And so what's, Paul, what, what's the author doing? He's, he's encouraging the church in a time of persecution, in a time where where there was a great risk. It took a great effort to show up. Showing up on a Sunday morning in this time could cost you your life. But he says, let's hold on to our faith. Let's hold on to this reality that God is making us into a new kind of people. Because God is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so if you look at this passage, he's saying, look, our purpose is to love God. Look who God is. Look at his love. Look at his love for us. And so we worship him. But then we look at each other and we say, how can we encourage each other? How can we help each other? And then verse 25, not giving up meeting together. You see, this is the discipline. Physically coming together to worship God and to to love each other. Paul, or the author is saying, this is important. Don't give it up because some are in the habit of doing it, but encourage one another on all the more as you see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters, we're in a spiritual battle (laughs) and Satan is going to do everything he can to hinder us from coming together. He's going to do everything he can to keep us from gathering together with God at the center. Because there's something powerful that takes place. And those early Christians, those Hebrew Christians who got this letter, they persevered. And did you know within a few hundred years, the whole Roman Empire fell and even that Roman emperor became a Christian. The gospel is powerful. And when people gather together, something powerful happens. It changes cultures. It changes nations. It changes the history of the world. And so Pentecost, 120 people gathered together. And the power of the Holy Spirit was in them. And it changes things when people gather in the name of Jesus. There's something that happens. And it's powerful. And it transforms us. And it transforms our world. 
So how do we show up? Because I don't want you to leave here this morning and just think, okay, I just got to show up on Sundays. <laughs> I want you to come and show up on Sundays. And I think it's so important to, as Josh shared in the announcement, it's more than just, just consuming a service. It's, it's getting to know the people, the brothers and sisters, the body. It's knowing each other, longing for each other, loving each other, helping each other, honoring each other. And so it's the community. And that has to happen in real relationships. And that's why we do small communities on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and throughout the week. It's so important to, to know people's names and to be able to know who they are and be able to love and serve them. And so how do we show up? I love what Francis Schaeffer says. He says there's two different kinds of orthodoxies. There's the orthodoxy of doctrine, the teaching of the word. And that is very important. Here at Rimrock Church, we will never we will never waver from holding to the, the true gospel of what God has revealed to us, to the authority of the word of God. Doctrine is so important. But he says, it is not healthy for the local church to be just orthodox in their doctrine. They must also be orthodox in their community. Orthodox in their community. What did Jesus say? He said, the world will know you are my disciples. And remember that word disciple is the same word where we get disciplined. The world we know, will know we belong to God. How? He said, by the way you love each other. <laughs> the way you love each other. This is the orthodoxy of community. And so it's not just showing up, but it's how we show up. And so I think there's three things that I want to encourage you with real quickly this morning as far as application. And when we think about the church, when we think about gathering, whether it's here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or in a small community, when we come together with other believers and we're there to worship God and we're to seek God and, to, and to, to allow Him to transform our lives, there's three things I think we need to think about when we show up. First is we come to give to God and to others. We come to give. We come to give. We get this from Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to be served, but I came to serve. I came to serve. Jesus said, the Gentiles, they, they lorded over each other, but he told his disciples, not you, not you. He said, you are to be people who serve, serve. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, as a pastor, this is one of the greatest um, lies of Satan that's hurt the church in America. Uh, we, we live in a, in, a, in a society that's very consumeristic, and, and there's nothing wrong with capitalism, consumerism. I, that's not what I'm talking about. There's something good with that, but there's a, there's a dark spiritual side to consumerism that, that affects how we come to worship, where we think that we come to worship in order to receive something, to get something. And so often we think about the worship service and we say, uh, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, or I did like this. And we think about, how's the music? How's the preaching? You know, if, if our vision was, <laughs> as a church, was, was different from being transformed, then then if the goal was only to get more consumers, then you would have to get a better looking pastor. <laughs> and I would need better shoes. And, and we'd have to do some things different. But, but we believe strongly that, that God has called us not to be consumers, but to be givers. And, it's, and we're talking about how we come. This is a, this is a heart posture. This is the, the effort side of grace of how do, we, how do we show up? How do we prepare our hearts Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that, that when we come to worship, when we come to the church, he says we're to honor one another above ourselves, not look out for our own interests. The reality is the consumeristic heart is never satisfied. That's why my kids, I buy them toys and they want another toy within a week. <laughs> I, I get things and I'm, I'm happy with it for a while and then I want something new. Why? Because our hearts will never be satisfied if we think that happiness comes in what we get. Jesus said it was just the opposite. He said, the way we're designed, because we're made in the image of God, and, and God is a giver. He's a generous God. We can never outgive God. And so the way that we can ex experience happiness and satisfaction, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so, I mean, this relates to money, but way more than money. It's, it's the posture of our hearts when we come into a place of gathering with other believers. The mindset is, how can I encourage someone? How can I pray for someone? How can I give someone a hug today? How can I shake someone's hand? How can I speak a word of encouragement? How can I maybe warn a brother or sister about a danger that I see? You see, it goes deeper. 
we have generous hearts. And so we're not, we don't wake up Sunday morning saying, I wonder if it's going to be a good service or bad service. And we say, God, who do you have today for me to serve? <laughs> How can I give to you today? How can I bless someone today? It's our posture of our hearts. So we come to give to God and others. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. We come to confess our sins to God and others. This is really important, brothers and sisters. We are the people who preach <laughs> that we are all sinners, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. I got to tell you, one of the, one of the things that um, was so rich for me and my call to come here to Rimrock Church is when I met with the search team, and uh, this is the first time I had met them, first time in Rapid City, and we were sitting around the table. Some of them are here this morning. And I think the, one of the first things I noticed is that people were vulnerable. And I began to share about weaknesses and vulnerabilities and things that I struggled with. And you know what I experienced around that table? I did not experience judgment. I did not experience, oh, there's something wrong with you, Ben. I experienced love and acceptance. Do you know how powerful that is? <laughs> to know that you're loved even though you've struggled with sin, even though you've struggled with things, even though you have weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And I was applying for a job. <laughs> but I knew that God was doing something here at Rimrock Church because it was safe. It was real. I could be real. The people around that table could be real. We could truly show up how we were and we can confess our sins to one another. I think this is so important in a world that's driven by social media where it's all about appearance and tell you what if you if you consume that stuff it will it will depress you because you're looking at people's best presentation but the reality is so different and that's why some people come to church and they and they think oh everyone looks happy everyone looks perfect i don't fit here and so how we show up is in a humble way where we say i don't have it all together i have struggles i have weaknesses it was hard for me to show up here this morning. And when we confess our sins to one another, what is James 5, 16? It says, then we will be healed. <laughs> so the posture before God is humility where we confess our sins and we receive his forgiveness. But it's authentic community where we're not presenting something fake. We present ourselves as we really are, brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters know each other. They know their struggles. They know their weaknesses. But what? They love each other. They love each other in spite of it. They forgive each other. I love what Rich Mullen said about the church. The church is the fellowship of the forgiven. We don't have it all together. We still struggle. We still have sin. But we confess it. Because we know that God is faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And we know that the community that God is building is one of love, where instead of rejection and judgment, we receive grace and love and support and service and encouragement. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to be part of a church, a community where it's safe <laughs> to confess your sins to one another? I do. And thirdly, how do we show up? We come to honor God and others. We come to honor God in others. It's so important as we prepare our hearts to gather with other believers that, that we don't come with a, a criticalness, but we come with an, a, a longing and a desire to, to glorify God, to worship Him. We know that God is worthy of praise. Look at this creation. <laughs> creation itself speaks of His glory and His worthiness of praise. And then what God has revealed in his word that he's a God who, who loves and gave himself on the cross, that God gave his one and only son that who should ever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so we know we serve a good God. He is so worthy of worship. And do you have anything good in your life? Have you eaten breakfast? Do you have clothes to wear? Do you have a house? God is good. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of being honored. And so we honor him. We love him together. But then we also love each other. We look for ways to honor each other. I was thinking about Romans 12, chapter 10. This is a, this is a great verse to think about. Love one another with mutual affection. So how do we show up to our gatherings together as believers? We have mutual affection. And this is what it says in the NASB uh, version. 
Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> and so look for ways to honor people. And when we do that, there's a blessing. There's something beautiful that reflects God's image. And so brothers and sisters, I, I'm preaching to the choir this morning because you're here. But I want to encourage you that our physical gathering is important. And I'd like to, to challenge you over the next 21 days, be intentional in your physical gathering. And I, and, I, and I pray it doesn't just stop with 21 days. But this can be a start where we think about how important our physical gathering is and how we show up. How do we show up? What's, what's our heart posture? And by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, He can begin to transform our hearts so that when we come together, we can truly truly come to give and we can truly come to confess our sins to one another and we can truly come to honor God and honor each other. Would you uh, bow your heads as the worship team comes up this morning? Lord, we praise you. You are so worthy of praise. We thank you for your design, that you designed us to not live alone but in community and family. And Lord, even as the worship team was praying uh, up here before service, uh, one of the brothers just said, I am so thankful I'm part of a church that's a family. And Lord, my prayer this morning is that there would be no one seated here who would not be able to experience that reality. That this just wouldn't be a service to, sh to, to attend, but a people to belong to. And that your church is, it's way bigger than Rimrock Church, Lord. We know you have people gathered all over Rapid City, all over the world. But Lord, this is the local place. This is the place where we're trying to work out this discipline. So help us, God. Encourage your people. Bless your people. Fill your people. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory and your praise. Adopting this 
love's floor And now calling me son You're healing my heart You are setting me free From glory to glory You're changing. Would you stand with us and sing this chorus as a prayer? May my life be a song that you love to sing. A sweet fragrance rising, breathing by my King. My words make you smile These humble praises I bring May my life be a song, Lord That you love to sing Amen That's our prayer for ourselves, for all of us here That our lives would be a song that God loves to sing Amen. So if you want to hang around, we're having the group uh, sessions after this. If not, have a blessed Labor Day. Amen. May my life.